Welcome to season four of our podcast, Nature Bounce, brought to you by Go Jauntly, a walking, wayfinding, and nature connection app available for free on the App Store and the Play Store. Nature Bounce is hosted by me, Hannah Such, co founder and CEO at Go Jauntly. This podcast is an opportunity for us to banter and share learnings and insights with you and a series of truly inspirational people we've met on our journey. We'll talk green living nature, walking, well-being, and more. If you like what you hear, please do rate and subscribe to the whole series. Go Journey is an everyday walking app designed to inspire you to walk more and get out and about in enjoying nature. Whether you stomp, roam, ramble, hike, or wander, we have unlimited walking trails for you to enjoy. You can download our free walking app and enjoy your very own pocket-sized encyclopedia of urban walks. Search Go Jointly on your app store. On today's episode, we'll be chatting to Jared Hanley, a mutual nature tech entrepreneur based in the US. Jared is the brains behind NatureQuant, an exciting company working to deliver technology to assess and promote nature exposure in response to the nature deficit that we humans suffer from. He's a professional adventure racer, data scientist, and all-round nature reconnection hero in my view, and I can't wait for this chat. Hey, Jared, welcome to the show. Hi, Hannah. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's it's great to be able to chat with you because I know we've been talking on and off for a couple of years now. I think we spoke peak COVID and um, it's been really exciting to see someone else having a go at Nature Connection and Nature Tech. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I feel this movement is growing globally. So it's it's good to talk to someone uh, across the pond about the same issues and the, and the same <laughs> approach, frankly. Yeah, it makes sense. So would you mind sharing a little bit about your background with our listeners? Sure. Um, well, I guess professionally, um, I've really spent the last couple of decades working in technology uh, and finance, um, you know, headquartered in Silicon Valley. Uh, but personally, I've always had a, a just an innate love for nature. Even when I was a kid, you know, nature was always my playground. And that hasn't stopped even as an adult. Um, you know, I always go outside for entertainment, uh, for rejuvenation, et cetera. To put a little more technical spin on it, um, you know, I have a, a pretty precise background in data science um, and now more so using machine learning on top of data to interpret our complicated, messy world. That's amazing. And I love that nature is your playground. So like, what kind of things do you do? Are you a, are you a hiker, a climber? Do you go bouldering? Yes, <laughs> all of those things. All of those um, things. Actually, for a while, I was a uh, professional adventure racer, which is a, a sport where you just go in the wilderness for up to 10 days at a time um, in, a, in a race format. So oh you kind of overdose God. on nature. <laughs> So are you so you're competing against other people? Do you have to like carry 10 and food and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, um, generally not a tent. It's a nonstop event. So you're not stopping to sleep for a long period of time because you're just trying to to go as far as you can, as fast as you can. Uh, but yes, you are out for, you know, up to 10 days at a time. There are resupply points, so you're not carrying 10 days worth of food. Um, but they're they're kind of like a, a backpacking trip um, in a race format is a good way to think about it. 
that sounds incredible. And you don't sleep for 10 days. You sleep very little. Oh. Um, I think <laughs> I had one 10 day race where I slept 10 hours. So that kind of gives you some perspective. Oh my God. I'm guessing that you had like lots of adrenaline, but w- did you not have to like sleep for a week afterwards? Oh, I def for months afterwards. <laughs> just turned into a slug. It is not healthy. Um, and I've kind of stopped doing that because, uh, you know, I've just kind of aged out a little bit. Or maybe I'm wiser than I was in my youth. Yeah, I'm reading this book about, it's called Why We Sleep. And it's annoying that I've forgotten the author. Have you read it? Uh, I listened to the audio book. Yeah, yeah, you listened to the audio book. Yeah. Now I'm like all about the sleep. If I can squeeze a nap in, I'm like straight there. <laughs> Um, especially after a walk. I'm definitely feeling it as I get older that sleep is, uh, and as a founder, shall I say, sleep is like precious. Well, we're going on a tangent quickly, but, you know, we are studying the relationship between time outside and sleep. Um, You know, we have a lot of people wearing aura rings or other wearable devices, and we're measuring their sleep quality um, relative to how much time they've spent outside recently. So if you want to improve your sleep, you know, the data is indicating that you want to go outside. <laughs> so you've um, we've, you've done a great segue into talking about um, kind of the work that you're doing. So can you tell us a little bit more about NatureQuant and NatureDose? Yeah. So NatureQuant's the name of the company that we founded a few years ago, which is designed to really quantify nature, hence the name. Um, and we do that in a couple of different ways. Um, we have what I'm calling like a Google Maps for nature, if you will. Um, and that's called Nature Score. And what we've done is aggregated over 30 different remote sensing technologies. So think about like high res satellite imagery, um, maps of all the park polygons, tree canopy data, and human modifications. So building footprints, densities of highway, air pollution, light pollution, et cetera into a giant database that tells us where human modifications are and where nature is. Um, And that's nature score. And where that gets really interesting is once we have this dynamic database of the presence of natural elements, we can see how it's impacting elements of our lives, in particular health. So we, we correlate what are called geotagged health outcomes. So where people live and the prevalence of certain diseases, et cetera, to the presence or lack of nature. And that association is actually quite strong. And many people have discovered that um, in prior studies, but we have now built a kind of a a machine learning model to really parse out what elements of nature are influencing what aspects of our health. So that's nature's score. Um, The other piece of that, which I'm, I'm super excited about is a mobile application called Nature Dose. And that's kind of like a uh, nature prescription tool, if you will. Um, If you think about Fitbit's 10,000 step count that became very popular, you kind of set a goal and you try and meet it. Nature Dose is essentially the same kind of thing, except your goal is to spend adequate time outdoors in proximity to nature or exposed to nature. So you set a number of minutes per week that you want to spend outside, what kind of nature dose you want to achieve. And the app tracks your progress against that goal. That sounds brilliant. I really, really love the sound of it. And also, like, I like the way you've kind of almost diversified and you've got all of these different things coming from, like, the data that you're working with. So what kind of partners um, do you work with and how can people find out more about um, the the NatureDose app and the NatureScore element of it? 
Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, we've only we've covered we covered North America right now. We're about to expand in, in, into Europe, but we haven't yet. Um, so the partners in the U.S. we work with kind of depends on the product. For for the Nature Score mapping tool, we work with a lot of universities. We're doing a lot of research around proximity to nature and health. Um, we also work with nonprofits that are trying to identify nature deficient communities and drive investment into those communities, as well as cities like municipalities that want to understand which neighborhoods should get a new park or get new trees. Um, the nature score data is also interesting to use to analyze urban heat islands or even how planting trees or putting parks in an area affect real estate values. So there's a number of applications for the, the mapping product. Um, on the mobile app, it's it's much newer. Um, it really kind of launched about a year ago and it's been in a bunch of clinical trials. As I mentioned, like examining relationships between like time outside and sleep, time outside and mental health, time outside and worker burnout or satisfaction. And so we're getting better data back about how this behavioral intervention can be used to just improve our lives generally. But commercially, we're trying to also make it fun and gamify it. We just partnered with uh, the outside network and so they're going to use data that we generate through our mobile app to do challenges, give you rewards, gamified, if you will. So, for example, if you get you know 200 minutes a week for a, a month, maybe you get a coupon for a special jacket, that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really great. And the outside network are pretty big in America, aren't they? Yeah, it's a you know, it's I think it's about 20 odd magazines. There's a, a TV network um, related to it. Uh, as well as certain other, you know, mobile applications, they they run some uh, Gaia GPS and Trail Forks, other mobile applications that are used for wilderness activity. Oh, surely they're going to buy you soon, right? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the dream. <laughs> it, they're definitely a good fit uh, for consumer use. I, you know, I will say the majority of what we've done historically has been research oriented. We're actually partly owned by the University of Oregon. And we've we've been studying kind of health impacts, which is a whole nother industry. They're they're kind of um, recreation focused, although I think this is all intertwined. The idea that spending more time outside is really important for your health. Yeah. 100%. And it's fun. Uh, so that, <laughs> I don't that's know if the thing. It's so much apart. fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it sounds really great. And like and you've come on so far since like kind of our original conversation and it's it's been for, for me sort of like frustrating when municipalities or certain governmental organizations haven't really like started to get on board with like the benefits of nature to not only human well-being but planetary well-being and so to hear that there's so much research going on about your work and the kind of proximity to green space and the access and the time spent and being able to have that evidence base is just going to be so much easier for sort of I guess people working in this industry who are who are believers but just need that little bit more to kind of convince the purse holders to invest in you know greening up cities planting street trees you know that kind of thing oh absolutely you know, I think it's been obvious to humans for, for eons that, you know, nature is important, time outside is important, and it's good for our health. But it's been very hard to quantify or to prove scientifically. Um, and we're just trying to piggyback on top of 
I mean, really since Japan in the 1980s, the study of, you know, nature exposure and health, the idea of forest bathing has been just growing rapidly. So now the scientific literature, I think, has reached a point where it's it's so convincing that it's I think it's hard for stakeholders, healthcare systems and even individuals to ignore it. Um, it's very real and it's repeatedly observed. And I think people need to start taking it seriously. Um, but it, again, it, it's I think, unfortunately or fortunately, the way our economic systems and even our decision frameworks are built is on numbers and quantification. And so that's one of our missions is to create this idea of a nature score, which is a simplified number that sucks in all of the kind of messy aspects of, of our environment, all the different natural elements and built elements into a single score that we can build decisions around, as well as a behavioral metric, this time outside exposed to nature, nature dose that we can use to understand how that's influencing health. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you're right in that it's kind of obvious and some people, especially those who do have a good relationship with nature, like, of course it's good for me, of course it's good for me, but there are sort of some people in society who perhaps didn't grow up connected with the natural world, didn't go out walking, didn't have mug kitchens, who have like disconnected for whatever reason, maybe it's cultural, maybe it's heritage, maybe it's the fact that they live in like urban cities. And I think there is another issue around how our relationship with nature generally has been one about domination. Um, for example, you know, like how we're like cutting lawns so it looks good for humans and not worrying about the birds and the bees or maybe using pesticides willy nilly and actually inadvertently killing bees. So I guess I don't know. I don't really know what my point is, apart from that. It's great that we've got this evidence base and I'm what it sounds like is that this evidence base will then hopefully convince the people in power to actually invest in nature-based solutions, nature connectedness, things like that. Yeah, that's my hope. And I think simplify it um, so that it's it's kind of, um, it, it's more direct and people can understand the connection between biodiversity and nature exposure and community health um, and sustainability broadly. You know, you, you see obviously the uh, climate tech world just booming, right? And that's, I think, because it's much simpler to understand you know, we reduce carbon, right? The planet doesn't get as hot. There's a, a kind of direct line there. But, you know, sustaining biodiversity or providing access to nature may improve health over the long haul, but it's not like an immediate A to B connection that people can draw. And it's not as simple that we can rally around a carbon credit number or a certain amount of, you know, tax credits you get for having an electric vehicle. It's just, a, it's a more complicated web that I think we need to simplify in a way. For people yeah. to understand it and, and build you know actionable tools around it yeah that makes sense there's um there's an argument i guess for like a cost benefit analysis which makes me feel a bit sick when i say <laughs> but like in recently there was a study that showed that for every one pound spent on promoting physical activity like walking and cycling there's like four pounds kind of mm -hmm. economic social return it reminded me of the conversation at COP15 um, around biodiversity, where they were talking about nature positive as a kind of term. What did you think about that? Well, I mean, that I think is one of our greatest challenges is just simple, you know, education. Yeah, I don't think people are thinking about nature or the, even their environment broadly. Um, we're all 
inside in front of screens. I mean, our data, you know, among our cohorts in the U.S. is we're spending 95% of our lives indoors or in vehicles. And so not only are people not nature positive, they're not even thinking about nature to begin with. And I think that's one of our, our biggest challenges. It's just, just that basic education that this, your environment impacts your health. It's important to think about. And your environment, meaning being indoors is one environment, being outdoors is another. And then having that outdoor environment be healthy, safe, and have biodiversity to it is a third. So, you know, there's a lot of challenges here. I, obviously, nature po positivity is, is a great start. Yeah, I'm not sure about it, but I don't think I've um, got an opinion on it. To be honest, I don't think I've seen it mentioned again since all of the news around COP15. It kind of like yeah. just disappeared, right? <laughs> or is that just me? Uh, I haven't heard much of that here either. Mm, interesting. I will say, you know, one thing we are trying to do as much as it makes everyone uncomfortable is put a, a economic value on nature and actually on healthcare cost reduction. So one of our scientific advisors did a study. Uh, this was in Northern California with about 5 million people. And they looked at where they people live and their proximity to green. So like how much nature is around their house, essentially. And even after controlling for what we call covariates or confounding factors, so income levels, um, education levels, all of that, um, the more green was around you, the less you cost the insurance company in terms of healthcare expenditures. Wow. And people around the most green were $400 cheaper per year than the people around the least amount of green. And so we can, you know, if you multiply that across billions of people, the idea of providing access to nature is going to save us trillions of dollars in healthcare expenditure. Um, so that's one way to do it. Um, you know, the other thing you can do is at least in the US, we do actually have like a estimated value of human life as, as uncomfortable as that is. I think it's around $9 million right now. And so if you think about the reduction in all cause mortality that, that nature provides, you can put a price tag on it. And it's very uncomfortable to do that. But I think that speaks more than kind of the, the touchy feely, like it feels good, you're healthier. Unfortunately, ultimately, we have to come down to an economic benefit to get people's attention. Yeah. I mean, I just love that you've got all this data, Jared. It's amazing. Like, I kind of want to write everything down. Let's halt this interview and I'm just going to write all these amazing stats down. Today, I just wanted to take a moment to highlight some of the positive impact that Gojantly has been having. Last year in 2022, Gojantly users walked over 4 million kilometers. From the early days of Gojantly, the goal has always been to make a great walking app that could help people walk more for leisure and active travel. It's great to see that the Gojantly community has been taking up this fun and healthy habit. Maybe the best part of all that walking instead of driving though, is that it saved over a million kilograms in CO2 emissions from the atmosphere. How cool is that? So shout out to the wider Gojantly community for making the decision to get outside and get walking. My walk tip today is to try out one of our new TreeFest walks. These walks in national forests around the UK are part of a connected treescapes research study in collaboration with the University of Derby and UK Treescapes. By going on one of these lovely walks and answering a few short survey questions, you can help inform the future of these forests. The first 400 people to participate will be given a 20 pound voucher. Terms and conditions apply. To take part, just find the TreeFest collection and app, choose one of the eight beautiful walks around the UK, and answer a few simple questions before and after your walk right on the app. Easy.
So you brought up the fact that climate tech is is quite big at the moment. There seems to be a lot of money going around. I've actually spoken to people who've quote unquote said there's money sloshing around, which does sound disgusting, but also exciting for those working in climate tech. Why do you think nature tech and doesn't get as much funding or support as climate tech right now? Well, there aren't the economic incentives built into it yet, right? You're not going to get a, a tax credit for preserving habitat um, or, you know, preserving biodiversity in a region. And then, you know, as I mentioned before, I just think it's far more complicated. It's, it's a more complicated web that we haven't untangled yet. And we're trying to do that. I mean, we're trying to understand, um, you know, what kinds of natural elements need to be around you to improve your health, for example, or to reduce urban heat islands or improve air quality in your neighborhood. So I think once we can quantify those things, we can build incentives around them, but we haven't done that. And so it's kind of this like ethereal, touchy-feely, it's good to have biodiversity, but we don't know tangibly why. And I think that's because we haven't been able to quantify it in a meaningful way. And that's what we're trying to do with our nature score machine learning tools, as well as just as a behavioral intervention with our mobile app. If we can get people outside more often, more active, you know, seeing the sun, <laughs> meeting their neighbors, how how much improvement are we going to see in public health because of that? And how does that translate into reduced healthcare expenditures? I'm wondering if people don't invest in nature tech as much as climate tech as well, because they don't think it's as sexy. Um, I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, how like Elon Musk, he might, he makes a sexy car and it's electric and or he wants to build carbon capture technology. And it just sounds a bit more maybe like, I, not for me personally, but for some people more attractive because you're building, you're building something rather than rewilding or reintroducing wetlands or marshes or yeah. things like that. Do you think, do you think that's got anything to do with it? Or is it just me? <laughs> well, I mean, the technology is definitely exciting. Um, and, and actually many ways, it's easier, right? You can buy a carbon credit and we're going to go plant some trees in Indonesia where no one lives versus we are going to, you know, build green infrastructure in a dense urban environment where there's a lot of constituents and it's a very complicated community and all these considerations that need to come into play. And so I think, it, and then, you know, these carbon credits are transferable. I mean, it's just, it's a much easier environment to, you know, play in than you know building biodiversity or you know building healthier cities in a way mm. i guess it intersects with so many different things in a way because with climate change maybe it sounds like it's the weather that you're looking at and therefore you know the weather is up there and we can deal with it there but with biodiversity and cities and and land it's owned by multiple people um, there are kind of borders that you're not aware of when you walk between one part of the city to another part of the city. We've got a world that's been created for cars. Um, it's almost like, in a way, it's just a, it's just a much bigger beast, a beautiful Mother Nature beast, but it's a much bigger beast, isn't it? It is, and it you know nature is not equitably distributed that's another important issue right now you know climate change is the whole planet we're all in it together but when it comes to access to nature you know and we've studied this pretty extensively here in the states and i know other research has been done throughout the world 
you know, the disadvantaged communities tend to also not have access to nature. And that's a, that's a hard fact to acknowledge because then, you know, you really got to do something about it. So I think people tend to ignore it, even though it's clear that there are certain environments that people live in that are just less healthy and they have less nature. And that's a it's a really hard challenge that I think we need to face head on. Yeah, it's also made me think about people in the global south who are suffering from the climate crisis that is affecting biodiversity um where they live and how it's all it's it's far it's far away for like westerners or those in the global north and i and there is that i guess there's that disconnect there as well because if you can't see feel it yourself it becomes something that's happening to others um in a way yeah well you know, one way we're approaching this is, um, you know, with this mobile app, we hope it scales, right? And if we get millions of people thinking about their environment, thinking about what kind of nature is, is out their doorstep and engaging with it intentionally, um, you know, getting off the screens, getting outdoors. Because I think once you start thinking about your environment, thinking about how it's impacting your health, you're going to want, obviously, to improve that environment. And we kind of can get work from the ground up you know, getting more and more people motivated to, you know, build green infrastructure within their cities. You know, for me, motivating people to get outside is, is, it's proving to be one of the most impactful health interventions or behavioral interventions that exist. It should be relatively cost-free for most people. There's no side effects. Um, you know, it can scale globally without, you know, professionals prescribing it or delivering it. I think it's, it's really an opportunity that, that, I see tremendous upside. We just need education and we need people to start promoting, you know, this this kind of behavior among our populace. As we all shift to living in cities, living inside, being in front of screens all day, we just need a, a bit of a counterbalance there. Yeah, definitely. So what other challenges have you found working in 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 tech in this field? Well, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, we're a relatively small company promoting kind of a, a simple idea, which is, you know, go outside more, <laughs> but we're fighting these, you know, tech behemoths and media companies that have billion dollar marketing budgets and teams of psychologists designing tools to engage, get your attention and get you addicted to, you know, looking at those apps, being in front of those screens all day. So, you know, what we're selling, you know, go outside, go for a walk. I think a lot of the world, particularly like the younger generations, just is not that exciting. And so that's a bit of a, a challenge for us, you know, because they're not really thinking about their longevity or their health long term. They just want to feel good and have fun in the moment. And so that that has been a challenge. I think, you know, gamifying time outside is, is where we're going with that, you know, to make your nature dose minutes translate into some kind of community challenge or reward system is is it's been a, a struggle but that's what we're moving next and i think some of our partnerships with nonprofits and with like the outside network will be a great way to do that you think something like a pokemon go but you know sort of nature score nature dose style would work for the younger yeah, generation exactly where you earn badges or achievements um you know we basically make it a game Rather than just people enjoy the intrinsic benefits of being outside, there's this this other aspect to it. You work with a lot of universities and getting that evidence base together is like 
part of the massive challenge for founders, I think, and startups. Like, for example, clinical trials cost millions of pounds and their kind of bootstrap startup can't really do that. Do you have any tips and advice around how to sort of engage with the universities? Yeah, well, I, I think when you can bring unique tools to the table, like we have done both with our mappings tool, Nature Score, and now the mobile app, Nature Dose, there's a lot of researchers excited about generating novel data from those tools. Um, and so, you know, we've been fortunate, you know, once people became aware of what we're now capable of, layering machine learning on top of this like location intelligence and now monitoring behavior inside outside time. Um, you know, we've been fortunate that you know, universities have come to us to some extent. Um, I think creating kind of a turnkey solution like we have for a lot of these researchers is gonna just make it easier for them to adopt their tools. Um, and I also say, you know, once you get the first couple of clinical trials underway or the first study or two, then things accelerate. So there is certainly a tipping point once your systems are adopted and, and proven to be effective. Yeah, that makes sense. I think for us, um, events have been really good, like going to going to events or like trying to find out about university related research studies that are happening and then almost like kind of just emailing them really and just saying oh hey can I demo the app can I talk to you about that I think for us that's been like the most helpful thing in terms of like meeting with universities and researchers and scientists yeah no I think we have a lot to learn from you on that front um, <laughs> no I've got so it, much it, you know we've been I, kind of stuck in an ivory tower and I think we're now at this point where we're trying to sh shift our focus to engaging the community mm. more broadly as well um and so um it's hard it's hard when you don't have millions and millions of pounds to spend on marketing I'm not gonna lie yeah. um it is really hard um but like you said like you're filling me with hope that it's gonna get easier now that it's just you know black and white in terms of research so um yeah I always enjoy talking to you because you always make me feel like I'm doing the right thing and that and that slowly but surely catchy monkey that kind of thing well not only that I would say even as in the tech industry I think there's growing acknowledgement that um you know they are causing harm in the way they've addicted generations of people um to basically stay indoors in front of screens all the time and, you know, one way to counter that is technologies like yours and mine, you know, and I think, you know, if if the tech companies grow more of a conscience, I think they will start adopting these these types of methodologies where they try and motivate people to occasionally get unplugged and engage, you know, with their community and, and outside world. I love that. I really I've got a slogan in my mind. It's Netflix and jaunt. And in <laughs> instead, yeah, that's awesome. I really want that to happen at some point. Um, but yeah, there's like so many sort of cynical UI patterns uh, that kind of designed to hook you for one more episode, one more episode. But um, I, I can see an, a partnership with um, Nature Dose saying, okay, you've watched four episodes now of Bridgerton. You really need to move on and get your butt outside. Yeah, we've had some conversations with groups who want to put like a parental app monitoring things where the kid can only get more screen time after they go outside. Oh my God, that's such a good idea. But obviously you could do that as an adult as well if you want to kind of control yourself. Yeah, no, that is a really good idea. I love that one. So um, 
you mentioned a little bit about your childhood in that you were kind of like you you, you always spent time with in, in nature like where did you grow up how what did your parents do to kind of help develop this relationship with nature yeah so I grew up outside Seattle um which was you know a bit pre-Microsoft so it was kind of a sleepy town actually at the time um you know on you know over 15 acres of, of wilderness and just spent a lot of time outdoors um, and always loved it. Um, I always just found it like so rejuvenating. Um, and then that continued, you know, as my professional career kind of accelerated and it was high stress, high speed, I just found going outside was, um, just my, a reset. And, uh, that kind of triggered my interest in all this research that was coming out around like these real, you know, quantifiable benefits of time outside. Mm, that's so interesting. Yeah. So what makes a great walk for you then? Oh, well, obviously I, I like to be around natural things. So if my walk is just in like a busy urban environment and there's all this like, you know, honking horns and, and kind of noise pollution, it's not quite as rejuvenating as if I can be near trees or water or other natural spaces where things kind of slow down and I can absorb the fractal patterns of nature, if you will, and just kind of have that soft fascination that and relaxation that I think nature can provide that being in a stressful urban environment often can does that mean you walk around your neighborhood a lot or are you sort of like needing to go sort of further afield to access some of those benefits? Yeah, both. I mean, I often, you know, if I'm just taking a break for lunch, I'll just walk around my neighborhood, which is, which is great. I mean, you're still getting exercise, you're getting, you know, sunlight, you know, breathing fresh air from the outside rather than the recirculated air from your office. Um, but obviously, if I have the time and the ability to get further afield and get into an actual park, uh, that's my preference. I never have time for that either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> but you're right. It's like having those sort of micro moments of nature connection that really work for me. So, for example, today um, I managed to fit in like a lunchtime walk and it was just around my neighborhood again, but I managed to sort of tune in to like little moments that I could see um, that were different to the last time I went out for a walk. And quite often it's like fractals like you mentioned, or looking at lichen or at the moment spring is about to bloom over here. And so you've got daffodils and then you've got little buds um, growing on the trees and stuff. And it's like those, those elements, those small bits of nature, everyday nature, that rejuvenate me and, and as a busy founder mom human being citizen of the world that's basically all I have time for yeah. and then I'm absolutely knackered by the weekend <laughs> well let me I mean we'll we geek out for a second I can tell you that those little breaks are impactful so there's been a bunch of interventional studies where they get people to just walk in a park for 15 minutes or walk in an urban environment and when you get in the park we do see a lot of things happen both mentally and physically, um, your amygdala, which is the part of your brain that kind of um, is associated with stress and anxiety, calms down a lot when you go around nature, which doesn't happen in the city. So then you're able to focus and actually creativity goes up after that little break. Um, you know, your immune system actually gets stronger after you've been in the park. This thing's called uh, natural killer cells go up after nature exposure doesn't happen in the urban environment as much. Um, if we tested your memory or attention span, they're better after you've been in the park. So these little walks, I know we all just know intuitively they feel good, but we actually now are quantifying. They do help you and you actually can be more productive 
you know, on the whole, by taking that break, you know, focusing on the nature rather than just trying to grind through your day. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. There's just so many benefits, isn't there? It's just, it's just like, um, it's like, um, not just a painkiller it's a vitamin but also it is a painkiller like I know investors only ever want to invest in painkillers not vitamins or so I hear but actually it kind of feels like it's both because it does both things yes it does and you know some of the things you can you know experience instantaneously but also I think just over the long haul you know that's what we're starting to discover there are sustained benefits it's like having your diet think of it like your diet right yes you can eat poorly and you're fine for a period of time. But if you do that for the course of your lifespan, it's going to catch up with you. And I think, it, you know, it's the same, you know, being sedentary inside in front of screens all the time, you can get away with it for a while, but over the course of, you know, years, decades, it's going to catch up with you, which is yeah. why, you know, you need to motivate people to, to get outside, expose their, their really, their chemical being to a diverse environment, because that's really how we evolved to, you know, basically exist. Yeah. So where are you going to explore on foot next then? Do you got any plans or holidays lined up? Yeah, I'm actually about to do a uh, a little backpacking trip in the Grand Canyon <gasps> where we're going to carry what are called pack rafts. They're like little little boats that inflate, um, hike down the canyon, float a little bit on the Colorado River and then hike out. Oh, my God. That just sounds otherworldly compared to what I've got planned. That sounds amazing. Have you been planning that for a while? Uh, yeah. Yeah, for about uh, four or five months. Does it require a lot of planning? I guess it must do, right? It's well, like yeah, a um, desert. <laughs> there's a lot of change in temperatures. I mean, the canyon rims are quite high, often snowy in the spring, and the bottom is hot, as well as you got to understand the rapids and you know basically the nature of the section of the river will float. Um, and then we're going to be off trail for a lot of it. And so you're going to be in these canyons where you just have to be prepared to get cliffed out or run into water, that kind of stuff. Are there any like wild animals you have to be aware of? <laughs> well, the big one in that area are scorpions, which are the, you know, these little tiny bugs that pack quite a bite. So oh my you don't God. Want to, you definitely <laughs> check your shoes before you put them on every morning. So there's no scorpions in there. Oh my God. I'm glad that's you going and not me, but it does sound amazing. I can't wait to see pictures. Are you going to do some like uh, TikTok videos or reels <laughs> sharing your. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty bad at that, but I'll try. I'll try and get a couple. <laughs> yeah, you should. It sounds incredible. And like something I would never experience. Um, so, how can people follow your work, Jared? Well, for me, uh personally the best way is linkedin you know jared hanley uh and i love to hear from people with ideas or applications of our data um naturequant.com is is our website and then there's you know some descriptions of both our mapping product nature score and the mobile app nature dose there um if you happen to be in north america you know download nature dose and check it out and we'd love to hear you know what you think how you're using it, you know, how you're motivating your friends and family to engage with the outside, that kind of stuff. And then we also have a mailing list on our, on our um, website. So if you want to just get updates, right, please sign up for that. And we'll be announcing that like when we launch in the UK, for example. Fantastic. That's brilliant. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, thanks for having me, Hannah. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you. You can use the Go Jointly app to find curated walks based on your location. Simple photo guides help you navigate, while nifty tips point out things of interest, hidden gems and places to eat. 
Walking challenges have been designed to help motivate you to walk more. From distance challenges to daily steps challenges, the choice is yours. You can download the app for free on the App Store or the Play Store. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Nature Bands. Don't forget to rate it and subscribe to the whole series. If you like what you've heard today, please do share this episode with your family and friends. Nature Bounce was brought to you by Go Jauntly, a free multi-award winning walking, wayfinding and nature connection app. To find out more, please visit gojauntly.com and discover a world of outdoor adventure on your doorstep and beyond. Mm-hmm.